welcome to the show. It's a beautiful day here in Arizona, and I've got a really fun interview for you with Kevin Steele from the bands Rocks Gang and Mojo Gurus. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with his work, definitely check out the songs or check out the Rocks Gang's first album. The whole album's great. Things You've Never Done Before, but especially the songs No Easy Way Out and Scratch My Back. I also love the song Stone Dead Drunk Again off the Voodoo You Love album. Great stuff. Unfortunately, this band uh, disbanded and then Kevin formed the Mojo Gurus and we'll get the scoop on all that. Plus, he answers the question if there will ever, ever be a Rocks Gang reunion. And uh, a couple things about this interview. If you're watching on YouTube, um, Kevin could not do video. So his portion is going to be audio only. Uh, there is video of me and my ugly face. Uh, but for that reason, uh, having no video of Kevin, I do think that uh, maybe sometimes it was hard to tell if he was done answering a question. So I apologize if I interrupt him too much in this interview. He likes to take his time to think about the questions. And without being able to see, sometimes it's hard to know when he was done answering. Um, also, if I seem a little bit distracted in the beginning of the interview, it's because my girlfriend and I were trying to buy Guns N' Roses tickets. And uh, yes, we got them and we got general admissions. So I'm very excited for that. But anyways, here's the Kevin Steele interview. It's fun time, so enjoy it. Welcome, Kevin Steele of uh, Rocks Gang and Mojo Gurus to the Chuck Shoe Podcast. Uh, how are you doing this uh, fine, what is it, what day is it, Wednesday? Wednesday, how are you doing? Uh, it's Tuesday, isn't it? Oh, it's Tuesday, oh shit, okay, yeah. <laughs> Shows you where I am. I'm surprised that I'm the one that knows. Yeah, I know, it's like when you don't have a, a nine to five, you lose track Thanks of the for, days. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Rocks Gang. I'm uh, just kind of now discovering Mojo Gurus. But, yeah, tell me at the beginning. So you started out in Ohio. Yeah, in the uh, suburb of Cleveland. And um, so I was in all the English glam rock, not the hoople, T-Rex, and uh, the American trashier you know the dolls and Iggy and uh and those were my my roots mm -hmm. glam roots and so um you know I moved to Florida and, and it was when I was a teenager and it was a total culture shock and uh the music I heard in Florida would later influence me in the Mojo Gurus but uh to begin with that was it was a total culture shock going and, to florida uh, yeah because what it was and, like uh, was it was it kind of like rednecky over there yeah i was a kid is you know into the new york dolls and they were into like you know leonard skinner you know which i love leonard skinner but you know when my, when i put a band together and we decided to uh you know i was trying to get my bandmates all the dress glam and everything and it was, uh, it met to varied, uh, <laughs> people didn't know what to think. People didn't know what to think. It was before, you know, Rock's Gang was together for years before we got signed. And it, there was no MTV. People were not aware. People had not been introduced to Motley Crue or Poison or, you know, any of those bands yet. And so. Right. It was, you guys started in 82, which was way before all that stuff. And you said that you were into the seventies glam. You, you guys were not copying rat and Motley. You guys were doing that stuff before those bands even were doing it at all. Right. 
Right. That's a common misconception yeah. about Rock's Gang. Like, there's a lot of people that thought we kind of, you know, hopped on the the Hollywood glam bandwagon, but it's not right. true. And, uh, you know, we were into those 70s acts. And uh, I think that's actually was, the case for a lot of those bands. They they're accused of being copycat. But you guys, a lot of you just had a lot of the same influences. And so then it's like, yeah, you're going to have a similar sound because you all have the same influences. But um, people from our area of Florida, they really didn't know what to think of Rock's Gang in those days. It was, uh, I, you know, they thought we were transvestites. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was not as accepted in the 80s as it, the early 80s back then as it, as it is now. So, yeah, it's like, and especially like right. you said, if it's rednecks, that could be, did you ever have trouble? Did anyone ever try to like beat you oh, up or yeah. anything? Oh, really? Yeah, we used to play these after-hour bottle clubs when we first started, and um, it, there was fighting was very common. Fights would break out, pool sticks. It was. <laughs> Could you hold your own in the fights? Uh, yeah, we we learned to make friends with. Uh, we had a lot of tough guy friends. Oh, <laughs> that's you know, smart. Look out for us. <laughs> did you uh, and I, I was funny because i when i was thinking of florida bands in the 80s and like again i didn't realize you guys were so early but i remember brian i had for, brian forsyth from kicks on here and he talked there were, talked about there was a period where they were down there for during the cool kids did you ever come across them or was that a different part of florida yeah i saw them perform down there but i think it was after that Okay, and what about, um, did you ever come across Johnny Depp's band, The Kids, that was like a rockabilly band? Nope. Okay. Nope. So were you were you guys signed in Florida, or did you relocate out of Florida at some point? No, we got signed in Florida, which I've always been proud that we, uh, you know, our band was dirt poor. Every Everybody in my band was dirt poor. And we didn't have the money to, you know, everybody was moving to Los Angeles, you know, hmm. and that was the place to get signed. That's where the music business was. And uh, we would make trips up to New York and play L'Amour. And uh, we got a New York lawyer and uh, we started to get some national press. And uh, Kerrang! magazine championed us over name line right away. Before you got signed? Yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, we put out a album-length demo called Love Them and Leave Them. And that's what eventually got us signed to Virgin. And um, it was outselling it was outselling the White Snake and Guns N' Roses locally. Wow. And, um, and that's what got us signed. So wait, but, um, what city was this in Florida? Were you guys in Tampa or where, where exactly? What, what city was it? It was the Tampa Bay area. Tampa Bay, the band okay. was from Tampa, St. Petersburg, okay. Clearwater. Okay. So it was that same. Was there any other bands that, did you have any peers that, that ended up being successful in that area? Or were you guys kind of the only ones of that genre? By the time we, by the time we got signed, like, you know, there was other bands that had, that wore makeup or had big hair or whatever. But, um, Personally, I don't think there's any bands like Rock's Gang. No, I, I love you guys. It's so original. Um, so tell me the story. Rock Gang had an edge, you know. A lot of the, a lot of the bands that sprung up around us were more 
you know, there was that there was that pop element to a lot of the, the glam, especially like the, the you know Hollywood the strip bands. You know, we didn't really have that. We were more like a I don't know. It was arena rock meets sleaze rock. You know, sleaze. Yeah, that's the kind of like kind of that L.A. Guns Guns and Roses kind of feel, where it was more like a mix of punk and glam. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. So tell me what happened, um, if you don't mind talking about it, with Eric Carroll, who, who was the original uh, songwriting partner and guitarist. He he died mysteriously in 1987. He fell off a bridge, but it was he was with some guy that he owed money to. So is there like some people that think he was maybe pushed off the bridge? Well, we were doing a lot of, uh, I mean, it was the 80s. We were doing a lot of blowback then. And um, nobody was doing more than Eric. And um, he was out on the, Eric, we lived in Florida. Eric was the kind of guy who carried a fishing pole in his van. And he would go fishing off bridges or whatever. It was, he had snickles, but he wouldn't even tell anybody where they were. And uh, one night he was out on a bridge fishing and he, it just so happened that he was with a guy who he owed a lot of money to. And, uh, you know, all these rumors sprung up around it when he fell. I personally believe he fell. I, I think they were probably just horsing around and he fell. Mm. Um, he was wearing a snakeskin boots that night. <laughs> which oh, kind of yeah, that's not a good idea. Okay. And then if he was, had been drinking but or... Really- done any sort of drugs then your balance is off and so and you know when you do a lot of coke then you drink a lot of jack daniels to kind of keep things balanced and um i don't know but nobody will ever know what happened except those two mm-hmm. and one of them was left to tell the story and but uh i loved eric like a brother you know that that a lot of people don't realize that the lineup on the first, on things you never done before, the debut album, is not the original lineup of Rockskin. Rockskin was together for years with a, with your with Eric and a different drummer and a different bass player. And um, that band all came together, you know, right before and then after. We had to get two guitar players to reply. We were a one guitar band with Eric. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Eric passed. It took two guitar players to replace him. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you could have ended the band right then and there. Cause that's a big piece of the band was the guitar, your guitar player and your songwriting partner, but you decided to continue on with the band as kind of as a tribute to Eric, right? Yeah. It was a huge blow because rock scan, we were very close all the band members at that time. And um, Eric and I, Eric and I went back to the beginning, to the beginning of Rockstar. We were in a band that became Rockstar. And um, it was a huge blow. And at first it's like, what do you do? It was almost like, you know, do you keep going? Is it a betrayal to keep going? And then I said, you know, I figured, no, how, how, how better could I honor this guy, my brother, than to keep this going 
And, you know, scratch my back and no easy way out, Eric and I wrote together. So if I could get his music out there, our music, I figured there was no better tribute. Yeah. And also you, you did a tribute by uh, the song uh, Red Rose was inspired by the tragedy. Um, now, was it you or someone in the band has a daughter named Caroline? And that was also a tribute, Eric Carroll, Caroline, right? No, that's uh, what happened was. I screwed that you know, when up. You're okay. writer, <laughs> when you're a writer, you take some creative license, you know, and um, I just, I, it was a tribute to Eric and I chose the name Caroline because his name was Eric Carroll. Okay. Know? But no one actually has a daughter named. That's just the story, the okay. fictional story of the song. No, Eric, Eric had a brand new baby daughter when he died, but uh, her name is Nicole. Okay. Now it's a very interesting yeah. intro on that song. Who came up with that? Like it's kind of like the the drum roll and stuff. It's very interesting. It's like a funeral march. Kind yeah. Of. Um, you know that was so long ago. I'll, I'll give the gave Blackshire our drummer credit, I guess. Okay. <laughs> but that, so yeah, so then that album, Things You've Never Done Before, 1988, it's produced by Bo Hill, and um, he was one of your top choices to produce the album because he had produced Kicks and Alice Cooper and Rat, and you said that he had really constructive ideas. So what did he add to the production of that album? Um, he really helped... Uh, he was very helpful as far as arranging the songs, you know, and suggesting uh, a bridge or you need to, you know, let's let's do two choruses on the fade out or let you know, just little arrangement type things. And then uh, he was very creative as far as our sound went. You know, he had a lot of great ideas. Mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed working with Bo. I've had the opportunity in my career to work with Bo Hill, Jack Douglas, who produced all the early Aerosmith albums. Jack Douglas produced the Mojo Grooves albums. You know, Jack Douglas produced all the early Aerosmith, Cheap Trick. He's worked with the New York Dolls. He worked with freaking John Lennon. You know? And... Uh, and I couldn't fucking stand him, and I hated working. <laughs> it was the most painful experience I've ever had, and, and I never went into a project with higher hopes and came out with uh, more disappointment. Oh, and I worked with Tommy Hendrix, who's one of Alice Cooper's guitar players, and has produced uh, Lou Reed and Alice. And um, I worked with Carl Kennedy. Of the Rods, who did a lot of heavy groups back in the day, like Anthrax. Overkill, yeah. Overkill. Yeah. So I've worked with some good producers, and uh, I think Bo was probably the most helpful and the most uh, fun to work with. Okay. So why do you think you said, I think you said that that album set, sold about 250 thousand copies worldwide but why do you think that album wasn't bigger because when i listen back to no easy way out or scratch my back pretty much most of the songs on the record still hold up today in my opinion and uh, i just feel like it's above it's above and beyond a lot of the bands of that 
era and that timeline, like, I just feel like that album should have sold a lot more. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, timing has never been Rock's Gang's. Uh, you know, we got signed in like what eighty. I think it was the end of '88. Okay. And so, so we recorded things you never done before in a studio called the Enterprise, owned co-owned by Billy Mummy. You know who that is the name ring a bell. Yeah, it sounds familiar, but I can't. I'm not. Can't place it. Uh, well, you look like you're probably a little younger than me, but did, you know, you've heard of the show Lost in Space. Yeah. Billy Mummy was Will Robinson. <laughs> oh, okay. Like the robot was like danger. Will Robinson, like right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and okay. he later became part of the duo that. Uh, remember that novelty song, Fish Heads. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a weird song. Roly Poly Fish Heads. Yeah. Yep. So, anyways, I can remember being in the Enterprise in the lobby and watching TV while somebody was recording drum parts and guitar solos or whatever. I wasn't up to bat. And I remember seeing Nirvana's uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit video. A lot of people don't realize how late Rock's Game came out in the game. And the, really, the rug was pulled out from under us before we even before we even started Nirvana and Soundgarden, those bands all had albums out before Rockstar. By the time we put our album out, that scene was effectively dead. Wait, what? Cause I thought, did the album, the first album come out in 88? 80. I think it was actually 89 by the time it came out. Okay. And so, cause I think you guys toured with warrant, and you toured by yourself. Did you do some shows with Alice Cooper? And what other shows did you do or tours? Um, oh, we played with, did some shows with Faster Pussycat. We did some shows with, uh, we did some shows with Rat. We did some shows with, uh, I can't even remember. I thought I saw this thing online. It was a, Gene Simmons came up and played with you guys. I don't know if it was just for one song or what the, what was the story yeah, that there? Was a, that was at a, um, they do a year annual, uh, that was at this benefit they do in Tampa for oh, okay. children. And they had a bunch of celebrities there that played with bands from Tampa. And we got paired up. Somebody at a radio station thought Gene and Rock's game would be a good match. And huh? uh, <laughs> Gene, Gene wanted to play um, in the midnight hour and all these R&B songs. And, you know, we'd been told about two weeks ahead of time that we were going to play with Gene and we learned a handful of Kiss songs. Sure. And um, I don't want to play any Kiss songs. <laughs> what? Like, well, that's what we rehearsed. You know? yeah. yeah. I don't want to play any Kiss songs. What do you want to play? In the midnight hour. Gene, the guys in my band weren't even born when that song <laughs> Yeah, you guys are not an R&B group. <laughs> so uh, that was interesting, dude. We ended up playing like Rock Me Baby. and we He, he, he consented to do, uh, we did Strutter. Yeah, that's the video I saw. I think it was you guys doing Strutter. That was kind of cool. So, so like I was saying, the scene was, it was really, it was over. We were, it was done before we even started. 
Mm. Yeah, because didn't and, they um, say the the music for I the second album? Done. They wanted you. You said the A and R guy wanted you to put out something like the Divinals, that song "I Touch Myself," <laughs> which seems like a. Larique, this guy Larik Weymouth, his sister is Tina Weymouth in the Talking Heads, mm. and uh, he was one of our A and R guys at Virgin. We were Virgin's first hard rock signing, and uh, they didn't have a clue what to do with us. They had lots of money. They gave us plenty of money to record our first album, to make two great videos. But as far as marketing us, they didn't have a clue. <laughs> and um, after the first album, we went into the studio and recorded all these. We were so psyched. We thought we had really made major leaps and bounds from the first album to the second album, which became uh, The Voodoo You Loved. Great album. Which is my favorite which is my favorite album. Yeah. It's funny because and, uh, that's the first one I heard. So the first song I ever heard of you guys was stone dead drunk again. It was like on the, it was a song on this uh, free CD Paris Records CD that I got from metal edge. And I loved that song and I wanted more, but I was like, how do I, I don't even know if I could find rocks gang CDs, even your first album. Well, this, the second album I felt like I was gaining control of my band. Like my first album, when I first started, I was a lyric writer. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any musical. I didn't play any instrument. And I would write songs. And Eric and I, you know, Eric would, I'd put words to Eric's music or he'd put music to my words. As I began to mature musically, um, you know, and realized that even though I didn't play, I was coming up, I would hear the melodies that I wanted, you know, how I wanted to sing my lyrics. And I had guitar players that were good enough to where, uh, you know, it's fairly common. I would, I would sing my musical ideas to my guitar players. You know, I wanted to go nine lives to go like this, nah, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, the singer of Ugly Kid Joe does the same thing. So by the time, <laughs> the problem was with the first album. I think I wrote some really good lyrics on the first album. But it's a little heavier than I. There are songs like Live Fast, Die Young, for instance, that are a little bit more metal or than I. Than what I would. Than what I feel is me. And yeah. I feel on the second album. I feel on the second album. I got more into like, you know. Kind of like R and B based rock, or like you know, more like the bands I, the glam bands, or Aerosmith, or whoever that I had grown up on. You know, got away from the live fast, die young, and that kind of stuff. So that was a little bit, I yeah. was a little bit uncomfortable. So was that me. Voodoo You Love album? What year was that? I know it came out in '95, but when was it actually recorded? Yeah, it, it was recorded like it took like four. What year did you say it came out? 95, I think. So it was recorded yeah. 91? Pro probably, maybe even 90. Oh, okay. Wow. So what it's the, the same, although the picture, you know, this is another uh, misconception about rock scanning is it's the same exact lineup as the first album, even though if you look at the picture, by this time, Stacy Blades had joined the band. We'd had a complete lineup of overhaul but it was really the same guys yeah so those 
Okay. But so explain to me what happened with the lineup. Cause I think you said ego, heavy drinking, cocaine, and fist fights. Is that what happened? Like there was like a lot of, I think those are the, th- the things that happened with the lineup. Yeah. And like I said, the guys in the band were dirt poor. So when, after the first album came out, you know, these, they were on per diem and, you know, everything was moving along nicely and everybody had a salary like, and it was the first time anybody, but, you know, after we got off Virgin, Virgin wanted to put, after the first album, wanted to put us on Charisma, which is a subsidiary label mm. of Virgin. And we felt that if they'd only sold a quarter of a million records, and we felt that the album should have been platinum. And I think if, so. If they had only managed to sell a quarter of a million records on the main label, what was going to happen if they moved this to, you know, the subsidiary? And we negotiated a release. And uh, we got out with our, without owing them a penny, right? And uh, right away, CBS gave us a demo deal and they paid for the, the sessions that became the booty you love. But as is very common in the music business, the people, you know, labels, there's a change of personnel there too, all the time. And the guy we were dealing with all of a sudden was out. And then uh, then the next thing you know, musical tastes were changing, grunge was in. Yeah. Those that those tapes just sat around for like four years. Oh, so sad. Because it does make you wonder though. If they had put that out a little earlier, maybe ninety one. I, I think ninety one, ninety two. It could have still if, done if okay. Done before, if things you never done before, if we would have got signed two years earlier, even a year earlier, I think the first album would have went platinum, and it would have set you know a whole different trajectory for the band. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just the story. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of that stuff. It's just I hate how for whatever reason. Nirvana. I mean, I like Nirvana. I'm from Seattle. So I grew up with all that stuff and I liked that stuff too. But I was like, why can't we have both? Why can't I have, why can't I listen to Rocks Gang and Nirvana? I never understood that. Yeah. Well, I wish I knew. Yeah. But so anyway, so then you decide, okay, well, this music is not cool or whatever. And so then you're like, well, I'll try something a little different, dude. The Mojo Gurus, which is like really cool band. It's like country, kind of bluesy rock. Well, Slow down one second. It wasn't a matter of like this music is not cool, and you're leaving out uh, after the the booty you love. There was like three more out rock thing albums. Right, uh, love them and leave them, and yeah. So why did love them and, uh, and leave them was we released our demo that I told you about. We just put that on. Then we put out old new bard and blue. Then we put out. Uh, Drinking TNT and smoking dynamite. And as we were kind of transitioning into the Mojo Gurus, this kind of made for a messy transition, but there yeah, was actually there was actually a Rocks Gang album called Mojo Gurus. Right. And weren't you kind of doing both at one point? You were having Rocks Gang and then Mojo Gurus was like the alter yeah, the ego. Mojo Gurus, we yeah. We we did we played gigs where the Mojo Gurus opened up for Rocks Gang. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That would be a fun show. We go, we go in the dressing room and change our clothes and come out and 
<laughs> That's funny. He looks like the singer in the first band. <laughs> <laughs> and you get paid twice that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fun. So it wasn't so much a matter of, you know, by this time now, now, now we're talking years into Rockstone, you know. And by now there's, I always take a lot of shit for this, but this is just my personal opinion. I know that other people have a different opinion and they're totally well, you know, entitled to it. And who am I to, all I'm saying is what works for me. I understand that there are other people that completely disagree with me and they have tons of fans who enjoy their albums to this day. But I personally believe that the window for a glam rock band that dressed and wore makeup or whatever, that had the image that Rockstang had, the window for that is very small. You can only do it till you're a certain age and then it starts to look unseemly. Okay? There are many guys that are my, my peers age-wise that are still doing it, still wearing mascara, squeezing themselves into skin tight pants <laughs> when you know the sheet and just because you can doesn't mean you should steven tyler and just because <laughs> and and he's a guy who still looks good there's plenty of guys who don't look good and are doing it and i didn't want okay as being a fan of early glam rock you ever hear of gary glitter yeah uh rock, rock and roll rock part two Right. Didn't he get in trouble okay. with like uh, I don't know, maybe we can skip that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but my point in bringing him up is that he, even at, his, at the height of his popularity, he was way too old to be a glam rocker, right? And he looked mm -hmm. ridiculous. And I didn't want to go down that road. And I figured you know, live fast, die young, leave a good looking corpse. Well, I wasn't ready to, I wasn't ready to check out yet, but I was going to leave the image of Rock's gang as a good memory. You know? When you look at rock pictures of Rock's gang, you won't find pictures of a, you know, some somebody in the band has thinning hair. Somebody's got, somebody's gut is hanging over their leather pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, I like the songs. Yeah, but ass, what about a bad, super cool looking rock group. Right, but the, that's the way but the, I want to hear the music. So how can I hear? Am I ever going to be able to hear a Rock's Gang so, uh, song live? Do you play Rock's Gang as Mojo Gurus, like some of those songs? No. So we, I can. I will have, never be able to hear no, no uh, scratch my back or um, red, 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 red rose or no easy way out. I will never hear those songs live. Nope. That's sad. <laughs> it makes me sad. Damn it. What if you did a solo thing, Kevin Steele, and you played stuff from Rock's Gang and Mojo Gurus and some other stuff or whatever? No, because especially then, because I'm the main guy who's saying no. <laughs> I mean, because Ozzy does stuff from Black Sabbath. I have been offered. I, I'll protect the bands that, that made me this offer, but I have been offered the opportunity from other 80s bands, they said, you come, we'll book a tour as Rock's Gang, we'll be Rock's Gang, you don't even have to come to rehearsals, you come sing, we'll tour as Rock's Gang. 
I won't name their names because I don't know. I don't know how they feel about me talking about it. Is it, are they a well-known eighties band or? Yes. Damn it. Now I'm curious. Will you tell me off air? Will you tell me off the record? Um, I guess I could. Okay. I won't, I won't tell anybody. I'm just curious for my own curiosity, but that's, so that's really fascinating. Well, and you and turned it down. Going on. So, you know, I also watched my, some of my idols. You know, I grew up, I grew up praying at the altar of guys like Steven Tyler and Alice Cooper and, you know, but when I look at them now and God bless them, and this is what I said, it's only my opinion. And I know who am I to say anything? They have hundreds of thousands, millions of fans, you know, mm-hmm. but just for me, for Kevin Steele, it just looks unseemly to me. So you think He's Aerosmith able- should just give it up and not play mute shows anymore? Or? No, I think Aerosmith is a, I think Aerosmith is such a great band that they don't have that Steven Tyler doesn't have to still wear women's cars. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying it's just more of the look. You yeah, wish Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger is is a god to me. Mick Jagger, you know, Mick Jagger can do whatever he wants because he's Mick mm-hmm. Jagger. But yeah, pretty but much. Like, he's Mick Jagger. Mick, you're seventy. He's pushing eighty now. You, you don't have to dance around like that. It, I'm I'm so impressed that you can, but you don't have to. You're Mick Jagger. But you isn't can that, stand there. But isn't that part of the show? Is seeing them sing and, and dance and dress up? And I mean, so you just want them to go out there in there's like jeans and a t-shirt? There's tons of videos. There's tons of videos. There's tons of film. It's you can see making his prime. Hmm. It's just me, man. Okay. Like, you know, who who the fuck is Kevin Steele to tell Mick Jagger what to do? I'm just (laughs) just saying, I'm just saying that that's my, for me, I think it's unseemly. I think it looks, you know, so, so as all this, so as that is a factor. And then there's also the fact that I've grown up and my musical tastes were maturing. And, um, you know, look, the most glam rock guys there are, David Bowie, for instance. He's not, well, he's gone now, but, you know, he he didn't stay Ziggy Stardust. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He matured. Even Mick Jagger didn't st- no longer wears sequin jumpsuits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's very hard to age gracefully to be a rock and roller to age gracefully. It's very hard, especially if you are a flamboyant front man. But um, it can be done, I feel, you know, not the hoople. Ian Hunter doesn't wear platform boots and, you know, satin suits and platform boots anymore. and my musical taste, the music that I was writing and the music that I was feeling, you know, creatively, like it was a little more soulful than when I was a 20 something year old kid, you know? Sure. I would, feel, I would feel it's just me, you know, but I would feel foolish at my, I'm almost 60, man. 
if I get on stage, can I get on stage and sing "Too Cool for School" or "Scratch My Back"? Or uh, I would love it. I'm. So, I don't know. I don't. I know. I see what you're saying. I totally get your point. I would feel like an idiot. Those were songs that a 24 year old kid wrote, and he was aiming it at, you know, teenage to young 20 year old girls. You know. But we're all old too. So like we'll come out and we'll sing along. We'll all be old together. What's wrong with that? It's fun. (laughs) I mean, Skid Row still does 18 in life and Sebastian Bach sings 18 in life still. And I like it. Not a fan. Mm. (laughs) Wow. So you think these bands should just stop? No. Ian Hunter is still rocking. He's putting out some of the best music he ever had. The Stones still put out great music. Aerosmith still puts out some pretty good music. But they I, shouldn't do the older uh, stuff? or Well, it depends. Some of it's appropriate, some of it's not. You know, Like I said, Scratch My Back <laughs> for me is not appropriate for a guy my age. I love that song, though. It's just so good. I want to hear it live. Damn it. Do you own the CD? Uh, no, I mean, I listen on Spotify. Okay, well, buy the CD. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's not the same as seeing it live. Yeah, I saw the videos. It's cool that I can see those on YouTube now. And I couldn't see them in the 80s. I missed it. I missed, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, 20 something year old Kevin Steele singing it when I was, you know, a young rock stud, you know? Yeah. Not a 60 year old man. I mean, you can still hit all those notes and everything, right? Yeah, and I weigh, I weigh right now. I weigh one fifth. I weigh about not even five pounds more than I did when the first Rocks Gang album came out. I still got all my hair. Um, it's graying now. I don't dye it blue black anymore. <laughs> but um, the point is, I, I still, I still cut a, a fair figure <laughs> and um it's not the point that's what i said about steven tyler just because you can wear those clothes steven doesn't mean you should but steven tyler's also getting a boatload of money to do that like how much everyone's got their price yes. I, yes. if somebody gave and you a million dollars would you do it for a million dollars you wouldn't do a rocks gang reunion uh, i might sell out for a million <laughs> <laughs> there it is <laughs> There it is. Okay. I want to take care of my loved ones. Yeah. Right. That's worth it. I mean, yeah, it's cool. Well, anyway, so Mojo Gurus. So tell me, you keep talking about Jack Douglas, how this was such a miserable experience. What happened there? Why was he so bad? He's a great, he was a famous producer. uh, Where I say that Bo made um, suggestions that really uh, were a plus to our songs. And really did, you know, really added something to the song. Yeah. I felt like I felt like Jack was making suggestions just so that he could say that he did. Oh. I didn't agree with any of his suggestions. I didn't feel like he was making the songs any better. I actually felt like he was making them worse. Um, so then, see I, I, so did, did, did he win with the suggestions or did you get your way? Um, for the most part, I got my way. 
um, after Jack left, ultimately is our album. Hmm. We were paying Jack, so anything I didn't like, I changed. <laughs> well, there I you go. Didn't like, I didn't like that either. Well, that's nice. And, uh, and uh, I can't tell you how many times during the sessions he said, it's your album. You can do whatever you want. Once I'm gone, do whatever you want. Hmm. That's exactly what I did. But he did not like that. Okay. Fair enough. And just as far, I don't want to get into it too much, but our views on life, politics, um, we're just, we just came at life from two very different angles. We butted heads. We did not judge. I did not enjoy working with him. Hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, um, so I had another question. Um, so you said that you had an offer to reunite with as rocks gang. Did you have any other offers like to join other bands or to work with other people in the, in the eighties scene or, or even in the nineties scene that you turned down? Um, not that this would have ever come to fruition. I don't, I don't know, but there was a point very early in rocks gang history when I got a call from a girl who I dated in high school, who is now a snake, what's his name, Sabo? Sabo, yeah, of Skid Row. And at the time, Sebastian Bach was not yet their singer. And uh, she asked if I would like to come up and uh, audition. Hmm. And I was very happy with what was going on in Rock's Gang at the time and said I wasn't interested. And um, I don't regret that decision at all. I'm just, more prior to Skid Row, I'm just, I'm really not a Skid Row fan. Yeah, no, that's kind of that's kind of interesting to think about what could have been though. Well, you know, who's to say? But I, I think Skid Row had a lot of outside influence as far as creatively on the first album, at least. Mm-hmm songwriting and i couldn't have that at all i have to have full i'm a control freak if i wasn't doing my music i would not be happy okay fair enough gotcha well so another uh member i think you mentioned him earlier stacy blades he was in rocks gang for a little bit then he went on to join la guns and now he's doing a lot of other stuff what do you think about uh what is it about him that allowed him to kind of build on the success of rocks gang and and kind of keep going where a lot of the other members, um, you just don't hear about them as much. Well, Stacy moved out to Los Angeles and he bummed around in a couple of bands. And finally, I don't know how he got the gig in uh, LA guns. It just goes to show you uh, how good rock scan is. Yeah. Definitely. This is not, this is not meant as an insult to Stacy, but Stacy was by far not the best guitar player that's ever been in Rockstar. So, but apparently he, you know, and he improved leaps and bounds while he was in Rockstar. Hmm. And, um, you know. So maybe it was more perseverance and hard work. Enough in Rock's Gang, I'm sure he was good enough for LA Jones. Yeah, definitely. 
So Rocks Gang Reunion, I'll scratch that question off the list because you've already told me that's never going to happen. And anything, is, and anything is done since then. I mean, really. Yeah, I'll give them LA Guns because I got a lot of respect for uh, their singer. Mm-hmm. But anything is done past that or, you know, like using Bobby Blotzer's version of rap. <laughs> is that rap? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Personally, as much as I like Phil Lewis, I don't think they're truly LA Guns without. I don't think LA Guns is truly LA Guns without Tracy Guns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's he's definitely a bit. It's good that they're back together now. So. And Stacy, Stacy, look at. I mean. So when he really just bounced around from tribute band to tribute band, which that's. Stacy Blades, Tracy Gunn. You get it? Yeah, they they both do a lot of projects for sure. They stay now, busy. Do you, get the, do you see where Stacy got his name? That's not that's not his birth name. Right. Is yeah. that is that a take on Tracy Guns? I always I mean I always thought it was. I was always embarrassed that he chose that name. Did I he like that it. Name and I wouldn't tell him not to use it, but yeah, I thought it was a little derivative. You know, <laughs> I like that you have these strong opinions, even though you know it's like it's interesting to hear this kind of uh, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> honesty. I like it. It's no, it's refreshing. Like you're not, you don't hold back. You don't just give the typical like, oh, everybody's perfect, everything's great. Like you're like, no, I didn't like this. I don't like this, and I like hearing that. It's, it's kind of roll, man. what. It's rock and roll, man. Yeah, it's it makes it. I like the honesty. It's great. You're a huge fan of of music. You you have a giant vinyl collection, right? I do. I do, and that's where you know. I love rock and roll. How many records do you own? Do you know how many? Because I saw I this picture no and there was like all these records behind you. It was insane. Thousands, thousands. I have no idea. In the thousands. It would take too long to be too boring to count. Okay. But um, <laughs> but enough to where I, it's getting to the point where, like, you know, are, are you ever going to be able to listen to all these records anymore? <laughs> right, yeah. But, but I'm a huge fan of music and not just rock and roll. I love, I love all forms of rock and roll, like, you know, rockabilly. And I love R&B music. I love soul music. I love reggae, especially 70s reggae and soul music. And, and uh, so uh, I think I think it's very boring. I think that's the problem with a lot of my peers is, and with a lot of their albums is that everybody in the band is into the same exact bands, the same kind of music. And then they put out an album, and guess what? It sounds... Song after song, sounds exactly the same, and it sounds just like the band they like. Like I have all kinds of different influences from all kinds, so many different genres of music, and you know, my critics might say that some of my albums suffer from a lack of direction. I totally disagree. I, I grew up listening to the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Like, you can't. Does anybody ever tell the Beatles like you can't do that because it's not a, like the. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The Rolling Stones 
played, the Rolling Stones played rock and roll, R&B, reggae, soul music, you know, and, and that's why they're not boring. Right. No, and that's, and that's, I had this discussion with people a lot about the Guns N' Roses, the Use Your Illusion albums, because a lot of people say, well, that's not as good as Appetite, but I really like the variety on the user illusions. There's so much different kinds of stuff on those albums. It's, it's really interesting. I liked it all kinds of music too, like you. So I enjoy that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. So, so as I grew, as I, as I grew, as I aged and as my musical taste matured and, um, you know, let's face it, there's music that you listen to when you're in high school that just, you know, some of it, you, some of it you still listen to, and you have strong feelings of nostalgia and whatever. You know, some of it was time timeless, but there's some stuff that just doesn't quite cut do it for you anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, might might be might even think of a little childish. You know, yeah, and, I can uh, see that. And and so, the Mojo Grooves was a. My, you know, attempt at uh, uh, making something a little more soulful, you know. Yeah. So tell me what's going on with them. Do you guys have any new music coming out, or you, you got any tours? Or our last album, I didn't. To be honest, our last album, Gone, may be very well be the last major album. Oh. So would you still do shows or you're saying you're just not going to make any new music? I think that gone as the title implies. <laughs> so the whole thing's gone. I like ambiguity. I, I don't like when things are obvious. I like when people, when if five different people listen to one of my songs and interpret it five different ways, I dig that. I dig the shit out of that. That's awesome. Gone was the title of our last album. Well, gone in the rockabilly vernacular is like, you know, that shit could be real, real gone, you know? Okay, gone can mean uh, departed. Okay. <laughs> so then what are you going to, what's your next project? If, if Rocks Gang's done, Mojo Gurus is done, what, what are you going to do? Who knows? I'll surprise myself somehow. <laughs> Would you ever want to do some sort of like super group, like with, uh, you know, maybe not so the eighties guys, but maybe some seventies guys or, or just, uh, well, it depends. See, as far as forming a super group, just for the sake of having a super group, that, that idea is boring to me and doesn't appeal to me. Like if I got together with guys who happened to have been in other bands and we were, and we were jiving on him, something, you know, and we were feeling something and creating something that we all felt was worthwhile. So then, yeah, it's been, you know, I wouldn't say no to that. Okay. Well, now, where are you located now? What's, are you back in the, near the Tampa area or? Yeah, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. Is there other rock bands around there or other musicians that, that you know that are around that area? I'm not familiar with that scene. Um, there are, there are. Okay. But, uh, it's not a threat. You know, the Tampa Bay scene in the late eighties was, was one of like, it was in the top 10 biggest markets in the, in the States. You know? hmm. 
and uh, it no longer is. Hmm. And rock and roll, rock and roll like you and I like rock and roll are probably it's pretty dead around here. I would say. Ah, that's sad. To, that's sad to hear. But I think it's making a comeback. Oh, that way everywhere isn't it I, yeah i don't know i I have this argument with people all the time i used to work in the schools and uh, it's been a couple of years since i worked there but when i worked in the schools i remember seeing kids with all the bands from the 70s 80s and 90s like they rarely would wear uh but I, a lot of kids would wear rock t-shirts still like i mean it was weird because i was like wait they like that band like you know so there is a like a lot of younger kids that that are into this music yeah. but don't let it fool you that there are kids that know good music. Very young kids that know good music. There's also kids who wear those shirts ironically. <laughs> that might be, and yeah. Then, that's true. And, and here's something. See, this is, this is the thing. When I was a kid, when you were in high school, right? What year did you graduate high school? 96. Okay. Wow, you're way younger than me. <laughs> so so um, when I was in high school... You know, rock and roll in the 60s and 70s, there'd never been music before that. There had never been music for young people before. Think about it. There, there had never been before rock and roll. Jazz wasn't for young kids? There was not music that was created and aimed at teenagers. Okay. Before rock and roll. Okay? There was big band and swing and whatever, but it wasn't aimed at teenagers. Hmm. Rock and roll was the first music that kids could say, this is our music. And it irritated the shit out of our parents, you know? Mm-hmm. How many times, I don't know about you, but a lot of times growing up, I heard, turn that shit down, you know? Heard that a lot. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Angry dad. Yeah. My, my bedroom was right above his office. So, and he'd call me on the yeah. phone and call, turn that thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And what, and. And didn't it just make you love that music even more? <laughs> yes, I did love it. Yeah, I didn't care. I was like, oh, it made me hate my dad more. Is what it no. And you didn't want your parents to relate to it, okay? Yeah, that so would have been weird. That. Yeah, well, think about how weird it is now because now people in my generation, our our parents, hell, people my age. A lot of them are grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. The kids, do you, if you're a kid, do you want to listen to the music that your dad grew up on? Your dad's wearing a Ramones t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. I mean? It just doesn't hold the same. It's not, it doesn't hold the same feeling of re- rebellion anymore. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, This generation and, is just totally different. I don't and, know that they're into rebellion. Not only is dad wearing a Ramones t-shirt, he's wearing a Ramones t-shirt he bought at fucking Target. <laughs> he never even went to a Ramones concert. It's true. You can buy some of those shirts at Target now. It's totally different time, man. Yeah, it is very different. You're right. That's true. <sighs> kids are looking for something. Kids are always looking for something that separates them from their parents, from their parents' generation. And it just doesn't hold the same appeal anymore to young kids because their parents grew up on rock and roll. Well, maybe their parents grew up on rap, you know, and there's, there could be kids that were, their parents are like Snoop Dogg. And so then for them listening to Guns N' Roses is rebelling. I could believe it. (laughs) 
I don't know. I, I'm telling you, there is some kids that are into rock. I mean, I even see them at some of the shows. It's, it's kind of, and some kids don't want to rebel against their parents. They want to like kind of be friends with their parents. So I don't know. It's a different generation. Every once in a while, some band comes out. Uh, Greta Van. Uh, Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. Yeah. A band like that comes out and you, oh, this is the new rock band, you know. <clears throat> and um, every couple of years, there's somebody that they're going to be the new, they're going to, they're going to bring back rock, you know, but they never do. <laughs> well, they kind of <laughs> do. I mean, I saw Greta Van Fe- Fleet and, uh, and they killed it. I mean, they were great. And uh, dirty honey is really great. Joyous wolf. I had the singer of that band on my show. Like they're really good. And so it, yeah, <laughs> they might not be as big. They might not be able to sell at soccer stadiums, but they're still making great music and having great shows and I enjoy it. So I don't know. Greta Van Fleet's a cool band. I, I love their music. I think their singer's kind of a dork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, I grew up with with rock idols. You know what I mean? Mick Jagger, Robert Plant, Keith Richards, Jimmy Page. It's hard to beat those guys. They were, they were golden gods of rock. Sure. He's you know, the singer for Greta Van Fleet is not a cold guy. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, I, uh, this has been a lot of fun. I like, I like hearing your opinions. What's that? Change the subject. No, no, I don't. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like Greta. I, I, I enjoy them, but I see your point too. The, the singer, you know, he's. He's out there. He's, you know, dressing a little, they have that kind of hippie flower power thing. They're just not the total package. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Um, This has been a lot of fun. I like hearing your opinions. Um, I do like to end each episode with a charity of the guest choice. Is there, is there a charity that you want to give a shout out to here? Promote? Um, Is normal a charity? What's that? The national organization for the reform of marijuana laws. (laughs) Is that a, Charity. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one, but uh, I it, well, look it up. Normal. Is that a real one? It is a real charity. No R M L. Okay. Organization for the reform of marijuana. Okay. Yeah. If they can, if we can give them, if people can give them money and they can. Uh, Rock and the Mojo Goods have always been pro hemp band. Okay. Yeah, I think most <laughs> people are these. I mean, they just legalized it in Arizona here where I live. So, yeah. So uh, I think it's uh, what states don't. Is Florida still, is it illegal there? Uh, I got a, a med- medical. Uh, the medical. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I can get pot at the pot store now. Yeah, that seems like it's kind of easy. I've heard, oh, it's really hard to get it. And I'm like, I don't think it is. I think if you just go in there and say, I have anxiety, which 99% of humans do, then you can probably get the medical. Yeah, yeah you can find a doctor who will give it to you. Yeah, yeah, it shouldn't that shouldn't be that hard. But yeah, I will put that in the notes if people I want to. I th- mention one more thing before we go. Okay. okay. My brother and I are starting a uh, new record label. Oh. And and we don't really we only have a working title right now. It's just Steel Records. Okay. Pretty creative, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my name's the, my podcast is the Chuck Shoot Podcast. So yeah, I, I get it. We spent hours delivering that one. But um, the first order is going to be to release uh, 
re-releasing uh, things you've never done before with a bunch of bonus cuts. Ooh, that and, sounds uh, like big news. And uh, so any Rocks Gang fans out there, watch for that. Okay, awesome. Well, I will look forward to that. And uh, so I will put the uh, everything in the notes, the website. And uh, I, th- I think your website, it has Rocks Gang and Mojo Guru stuff on there. And then... It's on the website, but you can buy Rocks Gang CDs uh, there. Okay. Well, if I ever hit the lotto, I'm going to force a Rocks Gang reunion on you. <laughs> okay. I'll hold you to that. Okay. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Kevin. This has been a blast. All right. I had a good time too, man. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So sad that there will never be a Rocks Gang reunion. Uh, So I guess I need to win the lotto and make that happen. Uh, But I really enjoyed this interview. I liked hearing Kevin's opinions. He's very honest and open, and I like that. A very genuine guy. And I'm excited to see what he does next uh, because it does sound like Moju Gurus might be done. And Rocks Gang ain't going to happen, so make sure to follow both Rocks Gang and Moju Gurus on Facebook and Twitter, or check the website for more information. I'm sure they'll let us know about Kevin's next plan. And uh, I've included a link in the show notes to those websites. And if you enjoyed the interview, uh, check out some of my other episodes, and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen or watch. If you want to support the show, you can follow me on social media and sharing and commenting on things. It helps my stuff get seen and heard so that more people can see it and it helps the show grow so i can't do that without you so i really appreciate your support i just hit 400 subscribers on youtube which may not sound like a lot but it's a lot from where i started a year ago on youtube so thank you so much for listening i hope you have a great rest of your day and remember to shoot for the moon